Hey, welcome to Dwayne's Rolls. Me, Dwayne, the Booze and Blogger, back at you. Uh, here is uh, a new podcast. I have returning with me today, uh, Dave McConnell. Remember, he's a comic from Ottawa, also a songwriter, former DJ, and uh, just all around swell guy. And uh, I'm, glad, I'm glad. I'm so glad to have him back. How yeah. you doing, Dave? I'm okay, man. How are you? I'm pretty good, thanks. That's good. What, I could have brought a drink? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> For you, yeah, it would be coffee, right? Or juice. Yeah, or tea. Tea. Tea, tea. Tea, okay. Um, so we're going to talk about the state of comedy today because it's changed so vastly. Um, even in the five or six years that I've been doing comedy, it's changed a lot, like a, like a full 180 and you've been doing it longer than i have so i imagine you notice the changes even more um well i've noticed the i've noticed the generational thing to a degree and i've noticed the uh you know i mean obviously we're in that state of uh social justice warrior woke complaining stuff that's going on about everything people have to say that doesn't fit in to their little ideal, but um, I think that as far as stand-up's concerned, for most people, you could probably get on stage and and do what you want to a degree. Um, you know, there might be some community pushback, but you're not going to get a lot of pushback from, you know. Like we're not going to face Chappelle like pushback at that because we're not that kind of we're not that exposed, you know what right. I mean? You're not going to oh, yeah. get a big social media war trying to shut you down or or anything because you're just not that important, right? Well, yeah, you that, and I aren't that important. Nobody cares. But you you will get some uh, community pushback because there is definitely that woke community locally, and I think everywhere locally now that oh. starts to complain about you know. Well, did you hear what they said or their, even it may not even be what you do on stage, but because they don't like something you said on social media about something else politically or, or socially, and they've decided they don't want you on a comedy stage either. Yeah, that yeah. happens. It's happened to me uh, countless times, but I mean, I really don't care um, because, and I fight with me, I know it's my online social media thing because my standup itself is relatively clean and, right. and doesn't push any real buttons. Um, but yeah, it's just, I, I totally get what you're saying about the social media thing. And it is, and it's about the people in your in your little cluster, like in Ottawa, or if you're in Kingston or Toronto or whatever, and they each have their little group of people, um, which does make it hard uh, because it's sure. the whole bully thing is there, right? Well, you know, it's I joke about it because I, you know, I, we live in a society now that people will bully you while wearing their pur purple bullying ribbon you know they'll yeah, exactly anti-bullying ribbon they'll have hey i'm bullying you for not wearing a purple anti-bullying ribbon that i'm wearing you know what's wrong <laughs> with you it's like it's, it's such a it's such a stupid planet we live on right now and um you know it's interesting that 
the left, because it, it's all coming from the left. There's nobody on the right that really gives a shit what you have to say. No, there aren't. On a stage. And I mean, I'm, I'm not saying I have plenty of issues with the right, but this isn't one of them. Um, but, you know, for a group of people that keep crying fascism all the time about the right and et cetera, they are complete fascist authoritarians. They're like, you can't say what I don't like. You can't do what I don't like. If you do any of the things I don't like, I will make sure you <laughs> never do them again and that you lose all your friends and that people are afraid to associate with you, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And it's like, but wait a minute. I thought you're against this kind of stuff. I thought that's, you know, you're supposed to be the freedom people. You're supposed, well, I should be free to do this and free to do this and free to do this, which I don't, don't disagree with. You should be free to be, who you are trans or whoever you are and say, do what you want. I mean, unless you're inciting violence, you know, the typical things are, or being like, Oh, like overtly um, racist and, and intentionally racist comics don't fall into these categories because a lot of what we do on stage is not, necessarily who we are so you it doesn't mean because you say something in a joke that that's your personal stance on everything well that's what Mike and i talked about on our on the last podcast that i had mike on with was the fact that um we go up there and we're playing a character we're not being like this is not who we are this is our character and um people gotta i think they've got to uh look look past the character on the stage and get to know the person behind the character. Because like, I mean, there's a lot of crap I don't do off stage. So, <laughs> right. But, Oh yeah, of course. <clears throat> and I mean, it's, it's just that if you're doing, oh, how do I put it? If you're doing a joke, well, let's go to the Chappelle thing as much as I hate to do it because it's such an entrenched opinionated yep. thing. at the Oh, point. I get it. But, you know, if if you go on and you make a joke about something, which is, I think, a lot of times you're saying things that are, are you know, generally people's opinions. Like, you can you can accept trans people, but at the same time be, yeah, but I, I you know, I just don't get it. And it doesn't make you a bad person. No. So if you go on stage and you, you sort of relay the fact that I, you know, I don't get it it doesn't make you transphobic and it doesn't mean that off stage any inter interaction with a trans person would be uh, con uh, confrontational, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. I mean, you can live and let live off stage and on stage admit, I don't get, I don't understand this. I, it's like, it's beyond me. And, and, and maybe even in, in your opinion, I don't, I don't want to say wrong, but, in your opinion, it doesn't make sense based on everything you know about whatever, right? Exactly. And, and it doesn't, you're not saying I, I hate you for it or I want you injured for it or I, I'm just vocalizing my thoughts on something. And, but you'll be a, a hateful person to that crowd that wants to make you a hateful person anyway. Well, right. the, the woke crowd, the woke comics and the and that goes along with the woke crowd that they follow or hang with, um, they they're the ones who have done this, which is really, really funny because 
you know, there's, you're, as you said, you're right. They're the ones that are supposed to be so open and, and stuff and, um, you know, arms wide open kind of crap. And uh, they're the ones who are the most closed minded. And I don't get, I just, comedy is becoming a farce to me. Um, well, locally, I think, um, I get building each other up. I really do get building each other up. You know, if we get off the stage, whatever. But some people tend to take it too far, too, and they're believing their own hype. And I don't know if this has always been true towards uh, comedy in general, but um, you can't. I've found that if I've been honest with somebody, they get really pissed off. Like if they didn't, you know, if things didn't go right or whatever, it's like, they just get pissed off. And I was, I, when I started, I always wanted um, like honest feedback because what good are you going How are you going to get any better if you don't get any honest feedback? Well, I was talking to somebody the other day and we were saying, you know, there's, there are, I mean, and this has always been the case you know, for as long as I've been in, in comedy, there's, there's always some people that have, uh, what a term we just came up with recently, um, that somehow hear phantom laughter, you know, that, uh -huh. that wasn't, that wasn't there, you know? So they come off stage and everyone that watched them is like, ouch. Uh-huh. And they come off and go, oh, that was great. You know, and then they're on social media. I killed last night. And it's like, okay, I know you're just reaching out. I hope you're just pretending for the people that weren't there and to boost your own ego. Because if you actually believe that, you're a mental case. Right? <laughs> and so to me, I've always known, like, if I get off stage and it sucked, I know it sucked. Oh, we right? all do. But, but, but I am not of the camp that goes, it's never the audience's fault. I honestly believe there's times the audiences just suck. And, there are times I've had them. And, yeah, I, I've, had I've, times I've had times when they're terrible. I did. I did a show one night. I swear to God, twenty-five minutes to dead silence. I did that at the yeah. Comedy Nest in Montreal. <laughs> right, twenty-five minutes to dead silence. The next night, same club. That twenty-five minutes, like I don't. I don't want to say killed because I don't like that word because everybody. Yeah, it's over you. Killed all the time, but I mean, it all that stuff did really, really well from joke one to the end. So you go, it can't be the material because I don't do material that fails seventy five percent of the time. That's not part of my act. So if you're if you do a set and nobody likes it, you have to go. I know these jokes work. I've done them a billion times. So it can't suddenly be your material. It can't suddenly be you. No, right. I've had two shows where that happened to me. I've had like two and I know that I have had, I've gotten lots of laughs. Um, and I know there's like certain jokes in my sets that I know are going to get a laugh. And I've done a couple of shows where they just went crickets and you know, there's something wrong because that joke did so well yesterday. Like, like you just, well, yeah. And there's people that do well. And I hate to say it. There's people that do well that I really think suck. And I don't understand why they do well. Me too. <laughs> you know? And uh, I actually had somebody ask me once, you know, you know, be honest. Do you think I'm funny? And I said, no. And then the, re the reaction to me saying no was, well, who the fuck do you think you are to tell me what's funny? And what is, 
And I'm like, what'd you ask me for? Exactly. Nobody wants the truth anymore. They just want to be propped up. And and yes, I get it. Boosting someone's confidence is great. And it, and it is. It's nice and stuff. Um, but to overdo it is giving the, these people uh, a false sense of security almost is that, hey, I'm really good and blah, blah, blah. And really not. And maybe they do different jokes or maybe they you know, they're, they adapt a different personality on stage, do something different to make it better. But if everybody is always yay, 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 you're never going to really get better. Well, exactly. I mean, you can't, you can't be praising it. And, and the thing with comedy now, okay, versus when I did it, when I started doing it, is comedy has become now a, a more of a, of a focus on stage presence. Like you get a lot of people are up there and they're very confident and they're talking and they, they do well speaking, you know, but there, there's no real jokes there, you know, like there's one good joke and they're animated and they're, they're interesting if they were, you know, speaking at a insurance conference maybe, but, but they're not, they're not doing jokes. And so you just kind of sit there and go, Okay, there's potential there if they write some jokes, but there's no jokes. Right? I, ta I talked to one of my best friends yesterday, and he sent me a video of a, of a comedian um, that is actually was a skateboarder or something, and he got up and did stand-up, and I thought it was awful. The, the stories were great. They were really, like, the right. stories were really good. But I think he he would do better on a tour like Mick Foley does and the wrestlers do and stuff where they just get up and they talk about their life. Um, because to me, I, I tried to explain to my buddy that what makes it a joke is a punchline. And they never right. have a punchline. They just story to story to story, no punchline. It's like, sure, it can be a funny story and you'll laugh along, but it's not really a joke. Well, yeah, exactly. And I mean, yeah, you're right. I was about to say the McFoley thing too, what the wrestlers do. Mm -hmm. You know, they're not comedians, they're just telling sort of road stories and and ring stories and et cetera, et cetera. And that's fine because they don't have to end every story with but um bum. You know what I mean? Or exactly. That kind of thing. That's not required. But I mean, I think it's required in comedy. And I just I I you need to hear jokes or people that do a four-minute bit and then with nothing in it. And then they end on just a lame punchline. You go, I listened to four minutes of this for that, you know? Um, and then there are very, like, there are a lot of great comedians too. Like, Oh God, there are so many ones yeah. that can start a story. Like I, I, I was absolutely mesmerized by Danny boy because he would, he started a story and then he'd get through it and you're following along. And then all of a sudden he'd veer off somewhere else still coming along with part of the story but and then all of a sudden you come back again and it's like those are the guys that are like to me that's comedy genius is that if you can keep you, me involved for that long and you can go like this and still come up with the punchlines along the way like that's that's well that's the key right you if you're going to be a storytelling comedian it can't all rest on one line at the end of that five minute story you have to punch it like Okay, every three sentences, there's something to make people laugh. Right. 
Even there, if then it's a facial gesture or a gesture with the microphone or a, right. or just be, you know, yeah, just get. Uh, I like to call. Um, I was told once by a by by a club owner. I won't say which one, and it's uh, but it's not uh, it's not Howie. <laughs> and right. um, I was told that uh, one of my jokes having the reaction going ooh ah is not is not laughing and it's like no but i'm up here to get a reaction i want a reaction and i'm sorry but if i get in a reaction that's i've done my job and well yeah i mean it doesn't matter if you get if if you can say something and people go oh you know as long as it leads to a laugh at some point Mm -hmm. right then you're fine and you know there's nothing wrong with any reaction you get like i've said stuff on stage and i mean it's different i've i've done stuff on stage that i've driven people out of clubs you know <laughs> i've had i've had tables of people get up and leave and and it's funny because the person you're talking about i'm pretty sure um who we know is a very uh you know very strong business guy and very doesn't like controversy and yep and that sort of thing you know i thought when i get off stage this guy's going to give me an earful because you know he basically six customers just left you know <laughs> and and he uh all he said to me was that was funny but you can't do that to me very often <laughs> you know and so yeah. i was like oh okay that's not so bad you know but but yeah, I mean, com- the problem with comedy today is, like you say, there's part of it is everybody's jerking everybody else off, you know? Yep. And so it's like, oh, you're so funny. You're so good. That was hilarious. And it's like, no, it wasn't. But the other side of it, too, is that you there's a problem with um, people trying to improve everybody's act that probably shouldn't be trying to improve people's act. Like, you know, I rarely offer anybody advice. Joke advice. Like yeah. I rarely go up to somebody and go, this would be funnier if you did this because um, most people I find are offended by it. Um, a lot of people that do it where I would say now I've kind of, I've earned my place in, in Ottawa comedy, if nothing else, where at least if I say something, you should consider it. You don't have to do it. Right. But, you know, and there's guys that, you know, like there's Tavis Maple, Maples, then who's a great writer and people like that, that if they come to you, it's very, it's probably, probably going to be somewhat solid advice that you're getting. Right. Right. But you don't want to hear from, I, you know, I've been doing it two months and I suck, but here's what I think you should do with your joke. Yeah, exactly. You know, I, I, nobody wants to hear from those people, but they do listen to them. And they do listen to them, tell them they're funny and they do take all that as gospel and they do walk around like, well, not walk around like, because very few people are, are strutting around in comedy, but yeah, I know not, I don't even think even the, even like the, the big hitters in, in the U S and stuff, I don't even think they're strutting around They're They're just making money. Right. Well, yeah, exactly. You're just making money, but you know, it's, it's like, uh, um, 
people who are uh, are being, oh, I'm great, I'm great, I'm great, but they're not great, and they haven't even been at it very long. Like when it comes to saying I'm a comedian, it took me years to tell people that. I would just say, oh yeah, I go up on stage once in a while. You know, I, I I'm, always I'm put the word amateur. I always put the well, word yeah. amateur in front of. It's like, yeah, I do. I'm an amateur comedian, um, yeah. but that's. But yeah, that's but whatever. But, but, but you know, but people like they act like they've been doing it forever. Like there was a girl on on Twitter, and she'd done. She's like, you know how all these people on Twitter that's like such and such comedian, such and such comedian. Yeah. And then so I'm like, oh, okay, I don't know who these people are. Some people are very established people i've never heard of just because i'm not in the states i don't know everybody or you're or you're or they're canadians and you just or they're canadians yeah like there's there's guys out west i don't know them no they're very established people right or out east there's people yeah. that I, I would know that are very established people but but i then i later find out that they've done only one open mic <laughs> and and then they've done some zoom shows and then i watched their show and there, I watched a Zoom show they did that they had the nerve to post, which was really dumb of them. And it was awful. Yeah. Right? And I thought, you're going around and people think you're a comedian. Like people think, oh, this person's a great comic. And it's like, you're not. And, and unfortunately, now we've got people that like audiences disappoint me too, because you go into, you see people in an audience and you go, why are you laughing at this? You know, is this polite laughter? Do you genuinely find this funny? Because if you genuinely find this funny, I'm really disappointed in you. And if you are you friends of the person that's up there, in which case I get it, you're just being supportive, you know. But um, it's very frustrating to watch audiences laugh at stuff that you go, This is dismal, horrible shit. And that allows the dismally horrible comedian to think that they're great. Exactly. And, and the problem with that is. People will argue with me. Well, if the audience laughed, they're good. And I'm like, no, no, no. that's not true. They responded yeah. to you. That's it. They're yeah. And not to mention they're piling themselves full of alcohol and, and they're, and audiences come to a comedy club with the mindset that they're going to be entertained. So right. you already have them in your pocket for the most part, the people right. want to be there. They want to laugh. So like, I mean, constructive criticism from your fellow, from fellow uh, people who do comedy is great because, um, you know, you just never know. I've had shows where, where they laugh from very first to the very last. And, I, you know, a couple of uh, applause breaks in between and, and you go, uh, yeah, I did well, but I know I can do better. That's right. And that's, uh, I don't know. That's just the way I, I, I appreciate the laughter, but yeah, I, I, I appreciate it too. And I, but the thing is like, I don't even mind, like I'm at the point now where I don't even care if they don't laugh, you know, <laughs> like sometimes like, I, I mean, you want them to laugh for the most part, but if, if stuff doesn't sail, I don't get all out of whack about it. And, and I like to sit down, like, I like to tell jokes, sometimes that I think are great jokes and I don't care if people laugh at them or not, you know, and that's, that's sort of contrary to what I just said, but yeah, I know that it's, I know that it's a good joke. Like I did a joke last night or on Wednesday night and it's a great, to me, it's a great joke. And the guys that are 
that I, that I know are funny guys and, you know, good judges of comedy. Yeah. And I came off stage and said, Oh, I love that new joke. That's hilarious. The crowd didn't really laugh, but all I need is the, the people that really know comedy to tell me that's a good exactly. joke. Exactly. And like, I mean, and you, you were on a pretty good show on Wednesday night too. Cause Cause like, I mean, Tavis was there and, and Waff was there. And so like, I mean, you got some really good people that can comment and they do. I, I respect those two guys um, hugely just because of, you know, just the, you know, just the way they are. Um, yeah. And yeah, I, I don't know. I comedy is really, really funny to me. Well, <laughs> uh, in it, you know, um, it's just the way it goes. It's really weird for me because like, I mean, I remember like you and I grew up in the times of, you know, Eddie Murphy and Richard Pryor and, and uh, all those guys and Kinnison and stuff. And you wouldn't get away with any of that shit today, which is awful. Right. Because that stuff was really funny. Hey, I hope you're uh, enjoying this conversation with Dave McConnell. We're going to be right back after a message from our sponsors. Thanks. Are you tired of the boredom that comes from this latest COVID lockdown? Are you suffering from anxiety? Are you spending all day long arguing with perfect strangers on the internet about absolutely the most ridiculous shit that you can think of? Or maybe you're having problems sleeping because of the five naps you've had earlier in the day. And we have a new product that is just what the doctor ordered. From the people who brought you shits and giggles, weed and beer, comes a brand new product that is guaranteed to take the blahs away, or at least not make you give a shit. I present to you Fuck It All Beer by Who Gives a Crap Brewing Company. This is going to let all the stress and anxiety of another ridiculous lockdown just vanish. Made with all organic ingredients that include you know, what the fuck, hops and barley and all that other garbage. You know, the shit that's organic. And it is a surefire way to finally say, fuck it all. For those of you who prefer the delicacy of a fine weed, we also offer you fuck this shit, pre-rolled doobies. That's right. Perfectly rolled doobies. All you need is a lighter and you go. Oh, we're not done there. Hard liquor is your forte, you say? We have... For you, no fucks to give tequila. Trust me, three to five glasses of this shit, you'll either not give a fuck about anything or be passed out. And if these products do not relax you enough to just sit around watching Spongebob and devouring bag after bag of Doritos, you're not doing it right. You can find all these fantastic products at your local LCBO. Just look for the fuck you insignia. Disclaimer, please drink and smoke responsibly. Don't drive after taking these products. Overuse of this product may cause vomiting, making bad decisions, and in rare cases, customers shitting themselves. Yeah, it was good stuff. And it's also, there's people like, like you say, but a lot of the people that are doing comedy now that are not funny wouldn't survive in that environment either. No, no, no. You know, like they've been kicked to the curb. I fell know? down a uh, Mitch Hedberg uh foxhole the other <laughs> rabbit hole the other day and man i've seen his stuff so often but i mean it's i still laugh my head off right um and the old old guys are just they're funny i think that problem is the guys coming off stage who are new people that have done it three times think they're amazing yeah and you know that's the, the big issue it's not an issue with 
it doesn't matter if you're not good on your third time up or even six months in, you know, I, I, by all means, keep coming and keep trying and you may develop, you know, there's a guy, I'll tell you a guy I worked with, um, years ago and you know, him, uh, tricks. Yep. And the first time I worked with him, I was like, uh, uh, he just won the Boston comedy festival. Exactly. You know, cause he's a workhorse. I mean, he's a workhorse and he's honed it and he knows how to work a crowd and he kills now. And he's been killing for a long time and good for him. And I mean, it would have been a shame to tell that guy, not that I would have at the time I worked with him, but, you know, tell him maybe in the beginning. Yeah. I don't know if this is for you. Right. Right. Because they develop. And I think anybody that wants to get on stage, I have respect for them from the beginning. Oh God. Standing up there, standing up there in front of an audience, expecting to make you to make them laugh is it is it's, it's a little intimidating well and i remember my first time i was having, i was telling this story last night that you know my very first time doing stand-up i'd i'd wanted to do it forever and i didn't do it right i was like uh you know what if it does well i don't want to get up there and fail which was a bad attitude but i i should have started when i was 20 yeah. Instead of when I was 42, you know what I mean? Uh, yeah, I waited till I was 38. <laughs> you know? So, um, but, you know, my first time doing stand-up comedy, I decided, okay, I'm going to do it, you know? And uh, I called up Yuck Yucks, and Howard answered the phone, and I said, yeah, I'd like to, and this was like a Saturday, I think, right? And I said, hi there, I'm just calling about your Wednesday night. I'd like to get up and, and do stand-up on Wednesday night, right? Mm -hmm. And Howard, Howard says to me, well, um, the process is you come down, you see a show, you introduce yourself, and then, you know, you book like the next month. And I said, okay, here's the thing. If I don't do it this Wednesday night, I will never do it. <laughs> And, and Howard said to me, well, then you better come down Wednesday night. Awesome. And so I went on that Wednesday night. Howard, when I was done, said, yeah, you should come back. You should keep at this. And so, and that was my first time doing it. But if he just said to me, yeah, well, that's not how we do things. I might never have done it. That That's awesome. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, how he... How he's uh he's a good guy and uh like I mean who knows like we all we all know the story about how he chased down Norm McDonald after his first spot and uh who knows if it wasn't for how we we might not have have had Norm McDonald so uh and he's a nice guy I, I really do I enjoy that's what I miss the most I think about doing shows at Yuck Yucks or at uh you know, we're just going in and watching them is kind of sitting back talking to him. <laughs> right. Well, yeah, I mean, I love Howard and I've known Howard for, you know, for years and we've always gotten along, you know. Um, and I mean, I, I like Jason Lawrence, too. Jason and I get along, get along well. And I've, I've had very, you know, any kind of run ins I've ever had with Jason were always ones I didn't expect to have. Which is good. Know? Yeah, like, you know, like when I've had a run-in with him, like one time, because we didn't talk a lot in, in the early going, and now now we're, you know, we're 
I wouldn't say we're friends. I haven't talked to him in ages, but um, we didn't have, there was never any animosity between us. You know, all he ever says to me is, I don't care what you say when you get up there, just don't say cunt. And, <laughs> and I'll say to him, I said, I'm going up there and I'm saying that for seven straight minutes. And he, goes, <laughs> and he goes, don't, 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 don't. Right. But, you know, he knows I'm kidding and stuff. I but tell I mean, you one thing, though. If he had Jim Jeffries there, he sure wouldn't say, don't use that no, word. <laughs> no, exactly. It would be a different story. But, but you know, like when I had run-ins with him, I'd do stuff on stage and I think I'm in trouble because this is something I know kind of would rub him the wrong way. And he, he's always been very supportive. And then one time I just wanted to make conversation with him. And so I – and I'm pretty good at my keeping my time, you know. So I, I just said to him, so uh, how was my time? You should know what your fucking time was. I shouldn't have to tell you how long you did up there. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, dude, I'm just trying to start a conversation. You know what I mean? It's like I didn't expect him to jump down my throat. And like I say, when I, when I walked people, I expected to get an earful and he said nothing. That's awesome. So, so it's a very weird relationship I have with Jason. But, I, you know, I like Jason and I like uh, – you know, I love Howard. Howard and I have been friends for a long time, Howard Wagman and I. And, um, you know, I think that he, uh, the club owners have to try and navigate this change in comedy too. Um, well, do. And that's the, the problem too, is that um, they do, like, the only thing, some of the things I get told were, you know, like, that kind of bothered me was, why are you giving your comedy away for free? Um, but then you go and you do spots at the clubs and you're giving away your comedy for free. <laughs> well, the thing is, I mean, it's a weird business that way because I know that there's part of me that goes every time you step on stage. And I think, you know, if you do a weekend, you should get paid. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, and even that's starting to change. Cause I mean, you know, I think that uh, I heard that some clubs are going into, uh, instead of having middles that they pay, they have four or five guys do six Amateurs, minutes. yeah. Yeah, and so, and they don't pay them, which I think is wrong. They give uh, them, I think they give them a discount on beer. Yeah, whatever. That's that's not That's thing. not... I like I like the fact that I've done some open mics for people in Ottawa and they, they you know even if they give you a couple of bucks you know it's a slice of pizza or whatever at the end of the night um but like I said I've heard that that term like why are you giving your comedy away for free and then they expect you know then we go up on stage on a Wednesday night or a thir Thursday whatever and uh you're not getting paid so you're technically giving away your comedy for free and making a profit for them um so oh so I mean giving away your com your your comedy for free on by doing an open mic night yeah no not oh, not that no like when you do the uh pay pay what you can shows and stuff and okay well yeah what you know to me the only problem I have with with pay what you can shows is if if you're running a show and you collect say you collect a hundred bucks right you should divide that by the, among the performers. exactly you can it do that yeah the one person takes all the money home you know because they put on the show that's yeah, i'm the producer yeah so that's bullshit to me but 
you know, if you're, t- if you're going to do a door thing, then, and you're not going to pay the comedians, that's nonsense, right? Yep. You know, you can't be charging money at the door and then not giving any money to the comics. <clears throat> but, you know, the, the other open mics were, you know, like, okay, if you're charging a buck just for the sake of charging a buck, like, there's people that'll say, well, you got to put some value on comedy. Like, people should have to pay to get in, even if it's a dollar. Well, if it's just a dollar and the guy makes 12 bucks, I don't, I don't need a portion of your $12. No, right? no. I know I'm going to do an open mic. Like the reason I, if you're going to go do an open mic, you're doing it probably to, because it's not an open, it's not an open mic. If it's a pay to get into show, then it's a show. It's different, right? To me, an open mic should be, uh, well, because even new talent Wednesdays is a show. It's not really an open mic because they still decide who gets on. But to me, it's like, if you're going to just go do a, a show that's not in a comedy club in a bar for eight people because you want to try material out, you should, really shouldn't have any belief you should get paid, right? Yeah. And I mean, I'm a, I'm a big, I have big issues with no money in comedy, for sure. Um, you know, there's guys making, you know, if you're headlining, you're making a decent buck. If you're, if you're middling, you can make an okay buck, especially if you're playing a club that's open, you know, like I... If you do a club that's open uh, five five days out of the week and does two shows on Saturday and two shows on Friday, and you get paid per show, you can walk out with you know four or five hundred dollars. And if you walk out with four or five hundred dollars, and it's not even your day job, you're doing okay. I think so. That's that's your uh, that's your crazy money for the week, so you don't have to touch your actual salary. Exactly. So there are a lot of people that do do that. I like, I mean, even in, in Ottawa comedy, some of the better comics, they, you know, they're, they make okay money and it's, it is, it's their, it's just a, a night gig and that's it. Um, so like, but I mean, to make a living off of it, to make a living off of it. See, that's my, that's a thing. Like I, I admire people, you know, like there's, I, I'm going to mispronounce his name, so I'm not going to say it, but you know, that, that lovely fella, he's uh, a Chinese fella. Oh, He Fang Zhu or He Fang Zhu? Yeah, is that his yeah. name? I'm probably pronouncing it. Yeah. And I feel I'm sorry, but I've only met him once. And I, as far as reading it, I have no idea what it should be pronounced properly as. So I apologize to you, sir, if I mispronounce your name. But, um, you know, this is a guy and, and a guy like Matt Watson. These guys are warriors. Like they're out there traveling the country they are and that is impressive alone like yeah you know and that they're doing that and it's like that impresses the crap out of me and these are guys who really want it they're obviously capable of doing it um because of whatever they have limited familiar responsibilities or limited other life responsibilities they obviously don't have to pay a mortgage they don't have to do this they don't have to do that so you know hats off to those guys. I wish I was those guys, you know, and I had the, you know, I'm personally, I, I've never been a guy and condemn me as not a comedian for saying it, but I don't want to drive 400 miles to make 50 bucks. You know, Oh God, I drove what, uh, what's Ottawa or what's Toronto 350. Right. Yeah. I drove there. To mind you, Mike and I did six shows in two nights, 
and we didn't make a penny either. But I mean, it was just an experience thing. Oh yeah, and I did that once too. Nick Carter and I, and a guy named Vince Aldridge. Uh, we went to Toronto and we did um, <clears throat> like Fox and the Fiddle and Einstein's and uh, I think I think it was like that four or five shows while we were up there and it was just not a road trip for fun. And yeah. I mean, again, if, if you do it with a couple of guys and we actually outlaid money because we stayed in the hotel. Well, that's what Mike and I did. Like, I mean, the gas money, the food, this hotel, the, but, yeah. uh, but it's fun, right? Yes. But to do that every day, like, okay, I'm getting in my car and I got, and there are guys that do it and more power to them, but you know, I'm going to get in my car and I got a gig and then my next gig's 500 miles away. So I'm going to drive 500, 500 miles to do another gig. And then I'm going to drive wherever, either because that's the way it worked out or, you know, maybe they're really bad at planning their schedule. So, you know, you, they're, they're not the Rolling Stones. <laughs> they don't have jets. You know, they can't, you know, if they want to take a tour date that's 2,000 miles away after the next first one, it's not a problem for them. But if you're like, I feel bad for the guys that got to truck their equipment across the country, unless they've got a couple of different trucks going. What about Fang Joe? He's like hitchhiking. <laughs> yeah, he's hitchhiking. But I mean, again, I love those guys for it. I love them. <laughs> and I, but I, you know, I and Matt Watson living in his van, doing his thing, and I love Matt. I know Matt really well, and I, I love that guy. He's a great dude, and you know, I wish. And if I'd have started when I was 20, I probably wouldn't have had it. any problem doing it. What do you think of uh, the Andrew uh, Schultz thing at Massey Hall? Yeah, the Andrew Schultz thing, it's, you know, again, I'm embarrassed for Massey Hall. Uh, as somebody else said that too, I think that they're embarrassed for Massey Hall. <clears throat> I'm not even sure specifically, except for maybe like the kind of comedy Schultz does, <clears throat> that as to why they were... Uh, taking issue with him being at Massey Hall. Is there a specific reason that I missed? Because I honestly don't remember. Uh, all I heard was that his he does inappropriate material. And you know as well as I do that inappropriate material could mean freaking anything. Like anti-religion yeah. could be inappropriate material to some places. Uh, what I think is weird is that it's one thing to have a producer not want you on your show, but to have a, a, a building that does comedy kick you out for doing comedy is that's a really, really tight <clears throat> rope that they, they're, they re really are. Uh, mind you, the guy did, he, uh, he went to Meridian hall and instead of one night sold out three nights and they hold 400 more people. So, well, yeah, I mean, it, it worked out well for him, but to me, it's, it's just, you know, to your actual point, I think it's ridiculous for venues to say, no, you can't be on stage here because you're going to draw your crowd. It's not like um, the NAC going, yes, we didn't allow Andrew Schultz to perform in the middle of the Ottawa Symphony Orchestra, <laughs> you know, because that's he's not playing to his crowd and he's probably going to offend a lot of old people dressed up for the evening that want to see an orchestra. It's like, this guy's going to play Massey Hall to an audience. Clearly he has a huge audience. If you can sell out a bigger room or a smaller room or, 
more no, bigger room over more nights, a bigger room for more nights and more people, right? Yep. If he, can, if he can do that, he obviously has an audience and the people that go see him are going to be his audience. So what do you care what he's saying on stage? Unless, you know, again, yes, Massey Hall, we're not willing to hold a KKK or a Nazi rally. I get it, you know, obviously. But why would you not a comedian? Who's putting asses in their seats. Yeah. Who's, who's making the money. You know what I mean? And, but you know, you know, I mean, well, putting asses in their seats again, you go back and go, well, we're not going to hold a white supremacist rally at Massey hall for all the obvious reasons, but it doesn't matter if they put asses in our seat, but a comedian, you know, who cares what a comedian says? That's, you know, Irene, that's really the gist of this conversation, right? It's like, who cares what a comedian has to say on stage? It doesn't affect anyone. I don't think venues should be uh, as particular about what comedy is. Like, I mean, may, is it because he's, I don't know who he is. I've never heard of him before this mess. Um, but would they have Eddie Murphy on their stage? Would they allow Jim Jeffries on their stage? Would they allow? Uh, oh, of course they would. Of course they they would never not, you know, the thing, yeah, they would never ban an Eddie Murphy or a, or a Jim Jeffries, for sure. This concept of people believing that anything a comedian says is, and I mean, comedians should say inappropriate things. That's kind of part of the point, right? But also, if is anyone who believes that Dave Chappelle telling a joke or Eddie Murphy telling a joke or me telling a joke or you telling a joke is having the audience decide to get a pitchfork and go out and look for people is ridiculous. You know, the people in the audience are what they are. And if they're stupid, hateful, racist, angry, transphobic, horrible humans, what you said on stage isn't changing anything. You're not going to influence them to do anything they weren't going to do already. Um, and again, most importantly, if what you said was funny, then that's fine. You know what I mean? If you go up on, you know, if some guy went up on stage, say you or I went up on stage and we just started going, you know, yelling the N-word and saying how much we hate black people and blah, 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 blah. Or, you know, we like to beat women and that's our whole thing. And it's, there's no jokes attached to it. It's just angry rants. Well, of course, that guy should be off stage and that guy should never see a stage again because clearly he's not a comic. He's just an angry, hateful human being, right? <clears throat> so it's a different ball game. But I mean, this, this trying to muzzle comedians and uh, trying to shut them down on social media because you don't like them. We also got uh, Shane Gillis, right? Right, yeah. Um, you know, Saturday Night Live heard something bad he said, and now he's he's had uh, his specials been viewed more than a million times. W what I'm liking is is that these venues or these companies or these shows are saying this isn't acceptable. But the uh, what I'm liking is are these guys like uh, Andrew Schultz and Shane Gillis and and Bill Burr and the rest of the groups too that are just saying, you know what? Fuck you. We're going to do what we do. And if you don't like it, we're just going to continue. And we're going to go online and do it. And we're well, going to exactly. make money. Well, and, and yeah. And I mean, if you can, if you can find a way to be successful, despite the woke bullshit, 
good for you, right? And if you've seen any of Shane Gillis's uh, little produced videos that he does, you seen I have it, but they are great. I'll send you one. That's hilarious. You'll love it because it's sports related too. Oh, okay. And it's, <laughs> and, 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 it's, and, and it's great. Like it's football related. Even it's not even a sports related. So it's right up your alley. Absolutely. Even though you like all sports. Um, but yeah, I mean that's the avenue. At least there's that avenue where you know it's not like network television is your only uh outlet now so if you are pushed away by network television you have options to go somewhere else and if you can if you can do something with it and and you can make money from it right i mean people can make money on tiktok going you know do, 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 do. And so oh yeah I mean, yeah if you can make fifty thousand dollars a month doing that you've come to a club you're coming to hear jokes. You should be of the understanding that not every joke is going to be acceptable to you. And, and you shouldn't expect people to be muzzled because they're not, a, because I, okay. Say I tell a joke and you laugh and the person next to you doesn't like it. Well, you liked it. Why can I not appeal to the person that liked it? Why do I have to appeal to the person that decided they don't like it? Well, that's, that's my whole, that's the whole, that's exactly why we did this because there, there are way too many people. A joke comedy is by person. And like, I mean, what you think is funny and what I think is funny, they can be two different things where we're, you and I are friends, but we can still have, you know, you got differences of opinion on a joke or whatever there's some comedians i i absolutely love and i know you dislike them immensely i find no, the funny you know and uh but like it's to each is their own and if if uh, co comedians aren't throwing this crap out then we'll never know well exactly i mean to, who cares what i again what do you care what i say if you walk into a comedy club, in my opinion, if you walk into a comedy club, all bets are off. And if you don't like it, the door's over there. Okay, so I've been talking to uh, Dave McConnell again. Thank you for being my co-host. Uh, we are talking about the situation in comedy right now as opposed to uh, years gone by. Thanks, Dave, so much for coming back. I hope you will come back again uh, in the future because I really enjoy talking to you. Absolutely. We'll do it again anytime. Thank you, man. All right.